Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Alone Together, the podcast that looks at life during and after lockdown. I'm Matt Millard, coming to you from Birmingham. And I'm Morven McIntyre, speaking to you from Edinburgh. We also pay tribute to the extraordinary people who have been doing their bit to keep their communities going during the COVID-19 pandemic. On today's episode, we are focusing on our alcohol intake. For some, the lockdown has meant drinking more alcohol, sometimes to worrying levels. And for others, it has provided the opportunity to cut down on booze and lead a healthier lifestyle. We speak to Jennifer Walters from Drink Aware about what we can do to cut down on problem drinking. Well, our research, as well as research from others, other organisations, has consistently shown that between a fifth and a quarter of UK adults are drinking more alcohol since the beginning of lockdown. We also speak to Richard Beach, a company director and former journalist. He tells us about his personal relationship with alcohol and what lockdown has meant for his drinking habits. Richard also offers advice to those who may be struggling. And really, technically, an alcoholic is, I think, anybody who um, isn't fully in control of their relationship with alcohol because that suggests that there's a level of addiction there. And... I think that um, we, we'd probably uh, be surprised to know how many people, in, in particularly in the UK, where we have a culture of drinking, are maybe on the edge of that. This might be quite a personal question, but have you noticed any differences when it comes to your drinking in the past few turbulent months? There have been concerning figures released recently about our levels of drinking during the lockdown. According to the Royal College of Psychiatrists, the number of people drinking at high-risk levels has almost doubled. Yes, doubled. Since the start of the lockdown, it's estimated that 8.4 million people drank high-risk amounts of alcohol in June. It was 4.8 million people just four months earlier. To help us further understand the problems with heavy drinking and to offer practical tips on how to combat it, Alone Together's Dan McLaughlin spoke to Jennifer Walters from Drink Aware. So the first question is a technical question, really. What amount of alcohol would signify that someone's drinking is getting out of hand? We hear about alcohol units, but what does that translate to in terms of pints or physical drinks? I mean, I think when we talk about getting out of hand, it's, you know, it's it's going to be different for everybody. But the chief medical officers recommend that you should be drinking no more than 14 units every week. Now, actually, that's about six glasses of wine or six pints of beer. And that's actually a really good place to sort of help get on track. Now, when you're drinking, uh, you know, quite a bit more than that, that's when um, you should really start to look at that. And at Drinkware, actually, we have um, a self-assessment tool that you can go on to yourself and, and have a look and track to see yourself at what level your, your drinking's at. It's a very simple tool there to help you and support you to do that. What other signs are there, other than units, that, the, that someone's drinking too much? Any physical symptoms, any mental symptoms, I suppose? So, I mean, I think in terms of um, in terms of 
behaviours, if you like, people are, are perhaps drinking too much. There's a number of sort of telltale signs, if you like. One, you know, that perhaps opening a bottle or, or can, um, pouring yourself an alcoholic drink earlier in the day than you usually would, and that happening on a, on a reasonably consistent basis. Um, finding it hard to stop at just one or two drinks. Um, drinking out of boredom or, or feeling that you need to drink to calm your anxiety. Um, feeling the need to drink more each time, get the same feeling. And and actually, there's sort of the day-to-day, finding the quality of your sleep, your mood and your productivity is starting to decline. Has there been an increase in drinking during this pandemic? And what sort of increase have we been seeing? Well, our research, as well as research from others, other organisations, has consistently shown that between a fifth and a quarter of UK adults are drinking more alcohol since the beginning of lockdown. In fact, just today, research um, out by the Royal College of Psychiatrists has suggested that more than 8 million people drank at high risk levels in June. And that compares to just under 5 million three months earlier. So, you know, the, the, the stats are showing some concerns there. And actually, um, you know, particular groups of people who, through our research, have shown to be more likely than that national average to be drinking more since lockdown began. So we're talking about um, people on furlough people with at least one child and young adults and by the young adults sort of talking at 18 to 34 year olds who are actually drinking more um so and actually in terms of the habits um you know I, I sort of mentioned about some of the telltale signs well that research has also indicated that people are you know displaying some worrying drinking patterns like drinking earlier in the day drinking to cope with the day and, and finding it difficult to stop it with just one and drink where, you know, we are really concerned that patterns like this could become and, and perhaps in some cases have become ingrained and um, may lead to increased tolerance of alcohol and, and, and in some cases, potential dependence. So, you know, th- these figures really do need to be taken pretty seriously. And what impacts, for instance, of the reopening of pubs, bars, restaurants will have on this behaviour? Are people thinking because they've not had access to these places? And for quite a while, are they partying hard and fast more so than they might have done? Um, I think, you know, what we're seeing is um, research that indicates how people have, 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 I guess, been acting and and behaving in terms of alcohol over the pandemic. Um, You know, we we don't know at this stage what, um, you know, sort of latest conditions around the pandemic have the impact that's had yet. But Drinkaware will continue to monitor that situation. You know, overall, um, we we have seen patterns, um, sort of pre-pandemic as well, of of younger people perhaps having a higher propensity overall to bintering, and and perhaps some sort of older, um, particularly male um, adults um, who might be drinking at higher risk levels overall. So I don't think we can we don't know yet exactly what you know what we're looking at um, as as changes happen, but we'll continue to monitor that. But as I mentioned, you know, there are some worrying signs around ingrained habits and it's about us really taking that seriously and just putting some very simple things in place. Um, individuals or people who are worried about friends or family that, you know, they put things in place that can really help. So you mentioned there about binge drinking. What, what, is, it, what is the definition of binge drinking? What does it, what does it, what, how much do you have to drink for it to be defined as binge drinking? So it's defined officially as um, drinking lots of alcohol in a short space of time um, or drinking to get drunk. 
Now, because everybody's different, it's not easy to say exactly how many units in one session count as binge drinking. Um, but um, the definition actually used by the Office of National Statistics for binge drinking is having over eight units in a single session for men and over six units for women. So, I mean, of course, it, it, you know, people may drink at different speeds or they may drink at over a different amount of time. And so this definition might not apply to everybody. Um, but, and, you know, there are things that are more, more likely to happen when people do drink more in one, you know, a lot in one session. So, for example, you know, drinking too quickly on a single occasion, you might see an increase in accidents resulting in industry and in, in injury, misjudging situations or losing self-control. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, there are maybe steps that family and friends can put into place. What steps are there? What steps can someone do to protect someone who, in your life who might be drinking too much? Well, there are some simple ways. I mean, there are different conversations that can be had or different steps that can, can be taken. So um, on the Drink Away website, um, we have some simple ways to to suggest helping to look at the amount of, of, of alcohol that you are drinking to see what level that's at. And I mentioned before but that we've got an online self-assessment tool that can really help identify whether that actually the drinking levels are a concern. Um, so on our website, there's a ton of you know, confidential advice. You can also, um, we've got something called Drink Chat where you can talk to a professional via um, a chat online or over the phone, whichever your preference is. Um, and there are also, we have a lot of information on there, um, a list of services, different services that people can reach out to. Services like Alcoholics Anonymous and We Are With You, as well as links to local support as well. So there's local support available. Um, I think the, the big message is actually um, we'd urge anyone who is worried about their own drinking or the drinking of someone close to them or someone they know um, to contact Drinkline. Um, actually, the number is 0300 123 1110 um, or talk to um, a trained advisor anonymously via our drink chat. But but essentially, there are things that individuals can do themselves to look at their own drinking. There are professionals, there are organisations at a local and a national level. So there is a lot of support out there. What basic tips are there? If someone says, right, I think my drinking has become problematic during the pandemic. What's it, what basic tips are there to cut down on drinking or to drink more safely? Because some people might not want to cut out drinking completely. They want to make it more manageable. Absolutely. And look, you know, our, me our message at Drinkware is one of moderation and drinking within those safe limits. And so I think the first thing to say is to stick to the drinking low risk guidelines of more than no more than 14 units each week and just keeping a track of that. And you can do that simply through the Drinkware app, actually, where you can just simply register what you're drinking. Um, Drinkware has a campaign called Drink Free Days, actually, and the, and the next phase of that campaign kicks off at the end of September. Um, have at least, that, that says and, and, and advises to have at least three drink-free days every week, but replace those drink-free days with um, something fun or something that, you know, you've been wanting to do for ages, you know, be that, uh, for me, for example, over, over lockdown, I've, I've actually managed to finally get around to doing yoga properly, which I've been meaning to do for ages. So, um, you know, just, just saying, actually, I'm, I'm going to have a drink-free day today. But actually, there's loads of other stuff I can do, which can, I can really see the benefit from as well. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned there, about take the pressure off my calculator and the units. Um, 
the experiment with alcohol-free drinks or, or you know, um, there are increasing variety on offer from retailers across the board. And we're seeing that all the time. Um, so, you know, that they are some really good alternatives coming on the market. And um, a very simple thing, um, and one actually that me myself have um, you know I've, I've done is using small glass sizes for your drinks, um, and using a bottle stop to save wine for another day. Um, you know, it can be quite easy to say let's just finish the bottle or pour a larger glass. And actually, at home, of course, you you know your your measuring your measurement might be slightly different to that in a pub or a restaurant, and perhaps maybe even more generous. So just be aware of of the glass size and the measure as well. They're really, really simple things that you can do. So the, the words, the term alcoholic, it seems quite archaic nowadays. It seems a term that we're not really comfortable in using nowadays. What would be the right term and what would, what would it mean? What would it encompass? It's a, tr- it's a tricky area because obviously it's, it's, you know, it's not always most beneficial to, to, to label an individual and everyone's, everyone's experience is different. But in terms of um, alcohol dependence, it's, it's actually defined as a sort of a, a, a significant factor that will typically involve a strong desire to drink alcohol and have difficulty in controlling its use. Someone may persist in drinking despite the, the harmful physical and mental health consequences that that drinking can have. Um, I think I think the big thing I'd say here is that, I mean, there is a, you know, there's a different spectrum and, and, and actually there's so much support out there for individuals or for people who are wanting to support individuals who um, perhaps have um, some kind of alcohol dependence or are on the periphery of having a dependence. Um, you've mentioned already quite a few of the campaigns of the Drink Away is running what other campaigns are out there? What what are the main ones that you're you're doing at the moment? To sort of recap. The big campaign that we have is our Drink Free Days campaign, um, and that runs a couple of times a year. Um, the next um, launch will be um, just in a few weeks' time at the end of September, and we'll see that run until the end of November. Um, and that one again, the big message is there: take um, a minimum of three drink-free days every week but as many as you can um and 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 you know basically that will see it's a very simple and easy way to cut down and do some really nice things things of you know hobby or whatever else it might be on those drink-free days there's tons you can do um aside from a campaign our main campaign there we have a, a campaign that we run um usually over Christmas called Home and Dry. And that's just about um, drink driving and, and actually um, ensuring that, 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 you know, that you have a, a dedicated driver that's not drinking and that's pushed to, to, to sort of um, address some of the drink drive statistics. Um, but aside from our campaigns, we've got um, online tools such as our online assessment, self-assessment tool that can really help whether identify someone should be concerned about how much they drink. Um, and actually, in terms of our broader um, our broader agenda, if you like, we we are calling government to, to raise alcohol harm prevention higher up its agenda. Um, you know, to, to look at whether there are sufficient funding um, to you know for alcohol services, but also to include alcohol within its strategies to tackle both obesity and mental health issues. Um, you know, we, our research shows that nationally, those who say they're drinking more. Um, twice as likely than the national average to drink to cope um, with the day. And we also know that, you know, alcohol can be um, an important factor um, when it comes to obesity. You know, there are really important um, steps um, and overall that, you know, that, that, that needs to be taken to, to, just to make sure that alcohol is higher up the national agenda. So we've covered quite a few 
important subjects here. Is there anything you feel needs to be added? Anything you'd like to to, to, to add to this chat? I mean, just to reiterate that that um, in the vast majority of cases, you know, that 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 drinking habits are, are within limits that won't impact on health, but that actually alcohol. Um, Drink, you know, drinking where you are drinking too much can have a short and longer term effect on, on health. Um, the important thing to remember is that if you or someone you, you, know, you care about is drinking more than usual at the moment, it's absolutely not too late to cut down or find support to help you. You know, there's a lot of understanding which, which what triggers you to drink can really help you avoiding reaching for alcohol and just very, you know, sticking to those Lurie's guidelines you know, looking to a website to see what supports in place, um, you know, is a really good way to start that journey. So, you know, I think the message is, yes, we are seeing some worrying habits over lockdown, but there's a lot that can be done. Um, and, you know, absolutely, the message is moderate and be sensible. Jennifer Walters, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much. That was Dan McLaughlin speaking to Drink Aware's Jennifer Walters. There have been, of course, some concerning numbers about drinking during the lockdown, but I think the chat can reassure those who are struggling that there are always ways out of what can be destructive behaviour. Absolutely. Uh, there were some great practical tips there from Jennifer. Was, was there anything that stood out to you there, Morven? I think um, the fact that she was reiterating that point that there really are a lot more people drinking now during lockdown, and that was when a lot of bars and pubs were shut. So I think it was really for a lot of people, kind of a coping mechanism to get them through the lockdown. Um, I don't know, what are your thoughts on it? Well, yeah, like you said there, you know, when you're, when you're just drinking at home, it's, it's uh, you know, you can some, you know, there's always the fridge down, down the corridor, isn't there? Or, you know, you can, you can continuously carry on. So what I took away from that is recognizing if there is an issue in the first place, you know, for many of us, we may, we may take it one or two drinks too far and not, really realize that there's an issue or a problem there. So the drink aware um, self-assessment tool, I thought was a great idea to see um, to see if you may be drinking a little bit too much and then take things from there. And obviously worrying figures that nearly double the amount of people were drinking at high risk during June. So, you know, some quite scary numbers there. And I think as well, the tips as well about to recognize the signs, you know, if you do have issues with sleeping and, and if it is fe- affecting your productivity day to day, then you can recognize that. And also the campaign where they've got the drink free days and just the guidelines of three days a week where you're not drinking alcohol. You know, you might want to do exercise those days, keep fit, go outside, go for walks, see friends, do all those things. um, And just kind of that way you can maintain a healthy lifestyle because at the moment with a lot of us working from home, we we need to make sure that we're still well rested and, and breaking up our work from our home lives too. A hundred percent. So some great tips there and some advice. And, um, you know, if you are in need of, of some help or guidance, then do go check out Drink Aware. So drinkaware.co.uk. We are now joined by Richard Beach. Richard is company director at The Ginger Agency, who offer digital marketing for startups. He's also a former journalist. He tells me about his ever-changing relationship with drink and the links between stressful city life and alcohol dependency. He tells me about his personal experiences and how lockdown has changed his ways for good and what steps those who are struggling with alcohol can take to live healthier, happier, and more productive lives. So hi, Richard. Uh, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Firstly, we, if you could just 
go into a little bit of background detail about about yourself and, and, and kind of your experience with alcohol and with drinking? Yeah, okay. So I have always um, worked in environments, let's say, where drinking is, is part of the work culture. So my first, uh, I guess my, my first real job was when I was 23 and I was in a newsroom in Cardiff. Um, and, it, you know, it wasn't a heavy part of the work culture, but drinking is, is kind of linked to journalism either in the way of, you know, going and having a pint with um, a potential source or, you know, just going to, the, going to the pub after work for a few pints. And then um, I went from that newsroom to uh, a tabloid newsroom in London. And um, again, I don't think it was like a, a conscious part of the, the work culture by, by management or anything, but there was just certainly a very, um, let's, let's say, Team team bonding was mainly done in the pub, and yep. uh, you know you could you could definitely go there for lunch if you wanted to. We worked shifts, so sometimes you start at six and finish at two, and uh, there'd always just be somebody else finishing at the same time as you. We fancy to the pub, so it very quickly for me became this social thing, and I don't I don't really think it was you know I, I enjoy the taste of beer, and uh, I, I do I definitely enjoy a glass of wine, but. It wasn't anything more than that. And I think slowly what started happening was in my personal life that started to creep in. So if I wasn't going to the pub after work for a drink with, with workmates and I'd had a stressful day, then I'd probably like crack open a can of beer when I got home or a glass of wine or something whilst um, watching TV to relax. And it, it happened so gradually over a period of time, probably a period of, of five or six years, that I, I just, you know, I, I never really noticed that happening. And, and I didn't, you know, when, when living on my own or, um, you know, living with a certain group of friends for a couple of years and then moving in with another group of friends, which is what you have to do in London, mm -hmm. I, I never really had anyone who was around me kind of consistently who could, who could point out you know, you seem to have been drinking every night for the last uh, two weeks or whatever. So it happened very gradually. And, and I think one thing that happened was I started to just spend less time doing things that I enjoyed doing. So um, less time playing guitar, less time going out and playing football and, um, you know, just, I don't know, going for runs or to the gym. And it, it just sort of became almost like a habit that I'd finish work, I'd go home. And it might only be like two or three drinks whilst watching TV or cooking or something like that. But it, it definitely became a constant quite quickly. Yeah. And that really came to a head when I was, um, I had a certain job that was, was just very stressful. I, it was my first kind of real senior position. And I, I just, I, I went to the doctors and um, got referred to a, a counsellor and got put on, on antidepressants and you know at the time I just thought I had stress or, or depression and I definitely have had some um, you know, some some light let's say mental health issues during mm -hmm. my life I think kind of related to stress and, and depression but I never even thought this is this is to do with alcohol or this is to do with um, you know the way to do with my relationship with alcohol let's say so it, it, it just wasn't something I'd ever really thought about. I then, probably about 18 months ago, I started my own company. Um, so I left a, a very stressful job, uh, started my own company, and 
suddenly I was on my own a lot. Um, I was working from home a lot and I was starting to, to go out and find work and to employ people and um, to just run every bit of administration for my business from, you know, from front to back. And I just, you know, to, to get stuff done, I had to work maybe kind of 14, 15 hours a day, which I didn't mind. But that was just impossible with alcohol. So I, I cut back on my drinking a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, that was probably like towards the start of, of 2019. And then I I just felt so good and I started doing more exercise and then summer came along, standard thing happens where, you know, you go to start going to the pub at three or four o'clock because nope. you're doing a, a job in Soho and, and all of your mates are going to the pub. And so I just noticed really um, sharply, it was it was in focus what effect alcohol, because that was the the variable that had changed was was having on my life and and when I wasn't drinking I felt not necessarily happy every day I didn't you know wake up with a spring in my step but I definitely didn't feel down or depressed or or stressed I could manage all of those emotions yeah so much more easily and then uh, yeah summer drinking more um found it harder to be productive when I was at work um I don't I, I think I got to a point where I wasn't getting uh, hangovers in the sense that I'd have a headache and, and feel awful but I definitely have some sort of hangover and being less productive and just being less of a functioning human being, I think. And then it got to um, October in 2019. So I, I did a, a stoptober. Again, felt brilliant. And then Christmas came along and <laughs> the thing that everyone does at Christmas, which is, you know, just go out all the time and meet people and, and drink and then drink with your family for a couple of weeks across Christmas because there's nothing else to do. And it got to January 2020, so the start of this year. And I just thought, like, I've had enough of this up and down relationship with alcohol. I'm I'm fairly certain that it's bad for me. And I'm fairly certain that I'm unable to be the person, well, I say the person, I'm the only person in, in the relationship when it comes mm-hmm. to alcohol. But if it's me and alcohol in a relationship, then alcohol has the power and um and I, I have no power in that relationship and I'm completely unable to control it. So I wouldn't have said that I was an alcoholic because I, I, I think there's this almost um, unhelpful perception that an alcoholic is somebody who's, um, you know, sat on the street and yeah. is, is like, you know, really down on their luck. And, and really technically an alcoholic is, I think, anybody who um, isn't fully in control of their relationship with alcohol because that suggests that there's a level of addiction there. And I think that um, we, we'd probably uh, be surprised to know how many people in, in, particularly in the UK, where we have a culture of drinking, are maybe on the edge of that. Um, and, and so I just stopped in January and I felt great. And all of those, um, all of those good things start happening again. I, I lost weight. I felt more productive all the time. I was mm-hmm. going out and seeing friends of mine and, and just feeling like I was in the moment and enjoying their company. And then I could remember all of that stuff the next day rather than having the embarrassment of having told somebody I hadn't seen in, in a few months that I loved them and, you know, we need to see each other more often and, you know, organizing to do something random like playing squash, which we were never actually ever going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt that, Everything I did was slightly more meaningful and slightly more enjoyable. Uh, my, my birthday is in February, um, so uh, I think it was you know a similar thing to Christmas, really, where 
I'd made this decision to stop and I thought, what's the harm in just, you know, drinking for a week when I go and see mates around my birthday? And um, and that was, you know, the worst I could have done. I, I, I kind of, um, I fell down that uh, that slippery slope very quickly. And by, um, by the time the coronavirus was um, a big thing, let's say in, um, in the start of March, I just, again, felt kind of ashamed and embarrassed at the lack of control I, I had in my relationship with alcohol. And I think if anybody's listening to this and, and they've got this image of me being somebody that would start drinking at like 11 a.m. or, you know, 2 p.m. on a Tuesday or something like that, that's absolutely not the case. Um, the the struggle I had was just, I felt like the only thing I had was this on or off switch. And it, it took a, a lot of effort on my part to change the on to off. And there was no modulation in between. So um, my relationship with alcohol could never be at a one or a two. It was always at a 10 or a zero. And um, that meant that that period from late February around my birthday to, to mid-March was um, just any opportunity that was to drink, um, I would take that opportunity. Um, and I wasn't always the one that was suggesting to friends, let's have a drink. But there's always somebody, especially in a city like London, that is up for going for a drink with you. Yeah. And I would never say no to that opportunity. So then uh, coronavirus was obviously um, in the news and it, it was likely that a lockdown was happening. Yeah. And I had another one of those kind of epiphany moments that I had at the end of December 2019 where, where um, I thought uh, this, this virus seems very real and very scary. Um, the the lockdown was terrifying in the sense that you know being working from home on my own being meters away from a, a fridge full of, of wine and beer um, yeah. and you know dealing with stress in an isolated environment might lead me to drink more um, or even just boredom might lead me to drink more yeah and then there was the added element that everything I had read about coronavirus at that point was suggesting that um, smoking and drinking were two very potentially harmful things that you could do to your immune system. Um, and I, I have asthma, so you know, smoking um, is definitely a no-no, and it's something that I do all the time if I drink. So mm -hmm. I just thought, the only way I'm going to stop smoking is if I stop drinking, and I probably need to stop drinking just to try and maintain a healthy immune system as well. So... I just decided to stop and that was about halfway through March and I, I haven't drunk since then. Uh, and and that's you know, been a, a successful spell of, of six months now where um, I don't necessarily say that I'm sober because I think that the, um, the connotations of things like saying that you're an alcoholic or saying that you're sober are just unhelpful because they create this, this, um, this sense that alcohol is this thing that you are addicted to and that you want um, and that you can't have it. And actually what I did was to try and completely retrain my brain to undo uh, maybe two decades worth of um, conditioning to think mm -hmm. that alcohol was key to having fun or relieving stress or socializing or all of those things. And I'm at a point now where I just don't even want alcohol. It's just, you know, I can see other people drinking it and um, I just don't want to touch it. I, I can safely say I don't have that with cigarettes. I see somebody else smoking and <laughs> I desperately want a cigarette. But um, 
you know, I, I probably need to try and do the same thing there. But with alcohol, um, there were certain things I found and certain things that I read, which were really helpful in changing my relationship with it. So you mentioned there the, you know, I've spent a lot of time in London myself. I understand that what you mean about that that drinking culture, that even, you know, alcohol on the desk in the afternoon and, and things I've heard yeah. from friends um, in offices. And so there is that there is that culture there. What we've found from our, our other guests on this podcast from Drink Aware is that has in fact been the opposite of what you've found. And there's been an increase in people looking towards alcohol and looking to drink more excessively during lockdown, whereas it's kind of been a realization and, an, and the opposite effect on yourself. Yeah. Do you have any kind of of, of advice or, or or maybe guidance with people that have taken that wrong step? You mentioned there that it's, especially in the early stages, there wasn't the realization that you were actually drinking in excess or 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 having you know one too many just because it was part of the culture and what and what you were doing so maybe someone yeah. that slipped into that you know I'll finish that bottle of wine I'll I'll you know I've had a stressful week um working from home and and been in zoom call after zoom call and and then they're looking for drinkers as yeah. an escape have you got any kind of advice or guidance from your own experiences yeah, absolutely. So the the first place to start was um, I, I was recommended a book by uh, a, a lady in the US called Annie Gracie, and uh, the book's called This Naked Mind. And there's this brilliant analogy at the start of that book where it talks about the pitcher plant, which is um, this plant that basically um, captures uh, bees. So it will attract them with this kind of... Um, almost honey-like substance at the top of the, the plant and the, the bee is, is drinking it and almost kind of getting drunk off of this substance. And it's slowly sliding down into the belly of this plant where um, eventually the, the bee um, <laughs> meets its end. And that is very much how alcohol gets you. It's not, um, you know, like you can't have a little bit of alcohol and um, and be fine. Like it's it's an incredibly addictive substance. It's more addictive than most other drugs. And this kind of cultural, um, I don't know what you call it, but the the normalization of alcohol mm-hmm. in, in our culture is just basically making everybody think, you know, this, this thing is fine. And actually, it's more than fine. Adverts would teach us that it will help you get a, a beautiful partner in life and it will help you um, have fun on a dance floor. It will help you... Um, have a good time with your mates. And actually, all it is, is a substance that doesn't taste particularly good on its own. So they have to mask the flavor of it with, um, you know, in, in, in drinks. And it's basically just ethanol. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a poison. And so it's a way of getting this poison into your system, which you get addicted to, and um, that you'll want to drink more of over time. So if you ever look at a betting advert and think, Oh my god, that's that's so bad. Like you know, they're obviously just trying to get people addicted to betting. Well, alcohol is exactly the same, and and that's what um, this whole industry is geared towards. It's just trying to make you drink more of it, and um, and then obviously you know you're spending more on alcohol. So um, that might sound like you know I'm, I'm saying there's a, a big alcohol conspiracy theory there, <laughs> but you know it's it's how marketing works, and yeah, these these companies want want you to to spend your money. So. Um, do you have any ad- do you have any advice in terms of kind of what what people can look to do maybe instead of of the the Friday afternoon beers after they've they've finished a long week of work where where are you, where do you then focus you know rather than just saying don't 
don't drink, where where would you recommend people? Yeah. What 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 should people be looking to 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 do instead? So yeah, there's definitely lots of things you can do instead of drinking. Um, and there's also, I think, a few things that you should expect if you decide to stop drinking. So first of all, my my main advice is to make a decision to stop and um, to to just back yourself on that decision. You will have people trying to encourage you because when you go to a pub with somebody or even like with your partner, um, you know, you, you don't want to force your partner into stopping with you and, and that wouldn't be right because it should be their decision. But anybody that you live with, if you stop, then they will feel some level of guilt for drinking when you're not and they will want you to drink with them. Mm-hmm. So first of all is, is just to not give in to that pressure from other people to drink because they don't mean anything by it. And um, you just need to be strong in in terms of you know maintaining um, maintaining an alcohol free lifestyle. And um, the reason I say that is because trying to cut down to just drinking on weekends, um, you know, if you tried that before and it hasn't worked, it's, it's just not going to work. Um, and it never worked for me. So you need to do that and make that decision. And then yes, you need to decide to come up with other ways to relieve stress um, or to um, you know, to, to come up with other ways of enjoying yourself. So I think one of those is if you are in a social situation, um, trying to meet up with friends in somewhere that isn't a pub is always yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, this will be slightly harder going into winter, but just doing things like going to going for a walk um, or just, you know, going somewhere that's a bit different um, to that pub environment, even just going for a meal can be a lot better. And then when you're at home, I find that... Um, you know, everybody, particularly if they have a stressful job, needs needs a way of unwinding. And alcohol for, for so many people is that thing. And actually, it doesn't work. It just, you know, it literally as a drug makes you more stressed and, and it, it's a depressant. So it, it doesn't do anything to help you unwind. And it will just compound your issues the next day as well, because you still have that alcohol in your system. So you need to find other things. And that for me was just um, as soon as my workday finished, I didn't allow myself to kind of stop and think, I might just switch the TV on and have a drink. I was straight out the door. And at that point in lockdown, I was doing my half an hour or hour long exercise or whatever it was we were allowed. And that yeah. could be going for a walk or going for a run. Or um, my my partner was really helpful in terms of doing things like um, boxer size classes on our, on our iPhones and stuff like that. And, yeah. um, you know, just... If if you're exercising, then you're releasing endorphins, and and you won't really want alcohol after you do that, um, because then the next thing you're thinking about is I've just done a little exercise and I'm really hungry, so I need to actually make some dinner. Um, and that was another thing I focused on was um, instead of just sticking a pizza in the oven, I would try to um, get a bit more creative when it comes to making dinner. So it's just something else to focus on. Yeah. Um, and then for me, um, things like playing guitar and things like uh, photography, which is something I really enjoy. I just set myself some targets with with those that I, I knew I wouldn't really be able to, to meet if I was um, drinking every night or even every now and again. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely important that you come up with alternatives. I think it's also really impor- important that you realize that you can make a conscious decision not to drink, but there are always be a subconscious desire to, to want to drink because it's it's a deeply psychological thing. So um, for years, you've been drinking and you've been associating that with having a good time. And it's, it will take a little while to um, 
to, to basically get rid of that association in your mind. And I think it has, for me, taken, it probably took about three or four months. So um, I think reading about alcohol and just, um, you know, when, when you actually read about it and you read things like um, if, if you're a woman, then drinking even a small amount every night just increases your chances of getting breast cancer. Um, and, and for men as well, it increases your chances of getting various types of cancer. Um, it does horrible things to your immune system. It quite literally kills your brain cells. Like mm-hmm. there's just no good that can come from drinking. And I think once you start to read that, then that subconscious desire to drink goes away because now I look at a pint and uh, I literally see it as a pint of like a poisonous substance that I don't want anywhere near my body. Yeah, you're you're not seeing it as a uh, you know a, a, a tasty drink or or a way to relax anymore. Yeah. It's associated with all of these other things. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on to the show, Richard, and for sharing your your very personal experience with alcohol, and and then no problem how the pandemic has 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 kind of helped you stay away from it and and have a realization of of what alcohol is and what it can do to us. Um, and thank you for your tips and guidance and advice. So for any listeners. Um, that are listening and currently struggling with alcohol. No problem. No, I hope it was helpful. And um, yeah, if, if anyone's struggling, then um, you know there, there's so many resources online that can help. And um, there's so many other people that are, are going through the same thing, particularly right now. So I, I just think it's important to know that you're not alone in that struggle, and there's there's help out there. And you know, the first choice is just, uh, the, or the first step rather is making that choice to, to make a change to your lifestyle. And, um, and you know, people like me, we're not going to be preachy about that. I don't judge anyone for drinking. Um, and I think it's really important that uh, anyone that's not drinking um, tells everybody else about the positive experience that they've had from that. And, and I think that's the way that we can, we can educate and, and hopefully um, get people off that rocky path. That was my chat with Richard Beach. That's all we've got time for on Alone Together. Don't forget to check out our other episodes looking at everything from dating in the pandemic to parenting and the return to school, from trying to live sustainably in the so-called new normal to our new relationship with technology, and of course, many more. So thank you to our guests who have joined us on on today's show, and thank you for listening to our podcast. So stay safe, stay positive, stay informed, and stay tuned. This has been a laudable production from the newsrooms of Birmingham Live, the Edinburgh Evening News and the Manchester Evening News. You can download Alone Together wherever you listen to your podcasts. For for exclusive, interactive, immersive content, download the Entail app for iOS and Android. See you next time.